New Year's Eve 2018. The year has already flown by. I'd like to talk about a few of the things we managed to get accomplished this past season. I'll start out going back to March. One of our goals for a long time has been to raise our own livestock for not for profit but for our own consumption and so back last August not this prior August 2017 my buddy and I went to somewhere in southern Missouri wasn't very far from Arkansas and we picked up a a boar it was a Asabuco Asabuco Asaba boar I've got food on my mind so anyhow, we went and picked up a little board down there. We named him Ponzi. And we brought him back, and he stayed at my buddy's farm where he already had some pigs. I did not have pigs here already. And after I got thinking about it, he had some large brown pigs. And they're really big pigs probably go three four hundred pounds and the Asabal pig it isn't that large of an animal and so anyway we decided to go back to the same farmer and we picked up a sow or a female from him that was um i don't know 40 pounds when we got her anyway we named her elsie and so Last March 2018, we brought we brought Elsie and Ponzi and one of the large brown pigs that he had on his farm up to my farm, and we put them on the back pasture. It's about a three-acre pasture, I believe. So anyway, uh, we were pretty confident that the little sow Elsie was already pregnant and. Lo and behold, she was. And she farrowed back in, was it May? May or June? I can't remember. So anyway, she had nine piglets. And we have those pigs now. Um, we have her and the nine piglets that she had. Of course, they're all hogs now. They're, they're not as big as she is. She's probably around 200 and some change not not tiny but not huge either and then the her offspring are probably i'd say maybe one of them's 90 percent her size and then it goes on down to some that are probably i don't know 70 percent her size they were all males except for two and so I took the boars back at the other farm and the big, um, the, the gigantic, large brown, we took her back too because she was destroying everything. 
And so now we've got the pigs like we wanted. And if I were to do anything different, I don't think I'm going to farrow pigs again. It's just a real pain in the ass to try to contain little baby pigs. Well, they're not, not especially when they're little babies, but as they get a little older and they get pretty uh, exploratory, so to speak. Anyway, there were several occasions where I had pigs off of the farm, and that's not fun. Uh, they've managed to get out um, here and there. I had I had one or two or three out uh, last month, and that's that's just never a fun time, especially when you're when you've got woods like I do, and you don't know exactly where they went to. And it, if they're on the pasture, it's not so bad because you can see them easily. But anyhow. Now that they're bigger, they're a little easier to contain. They're they're easier to manage in turn. I'm I'm letting them. I've got them a paddock out in the woods with uh, with two wires, two electric wires, braided electric. And I'm trying to move them around as much as possible. I need to do it more often though. I, they can. They can just take an area down so quick. And I've got a ton of uh, oaks back there, so there there's a lot of mast on the ground for for them to eat. I'm trying to get them out there as much as possible, but it seems like they always because I let them have access to the pasture too, most of it. And it seems like they're usually there uh, more than anywhere else, but. Some sometimes they're they kind of sleep down in the woods a little bit, especially if it's raining. So none of those pigs are ready for harvest yet, and I'm gonna do that here. I believe I just I just prefer to do it that way. And like I said, I'm not really trying to make any money on these pigs. I wasn't expecting there to be nine of them, but. Anyway, it's what I ended up with. And I don't think they're going to be ready to... I mean, they're not ready now. I get, There's one I could probably harvest that is pretty big, but still, I would be... I think it's a little early, so I hope I'm going to be able to do that in the spring. Let's say March... April maybe if we can get a, one of those cold spells in April like you usually do maybe I can do it then but then again I don't think they're going to put on a whole hell of a lot of weight during the winter either that's why I'm trying to get my uh, moves more uh, the interval shortened because I want to get them on as much of the wooded area that I can and I also like the fact that they do a lot of work out there. They really take down the brush. And there's really nothing that can clear. They don't clear it, but they they turn it over, I guess. I don't know how else to say it. The, the beauty berry and all that stuff is still there, and I've got to cut that back. But 
sending the hogs in there first just makes it so much easier to go in there when you're not having to, you know, fight briars and uh, that multi whatever that rose stuff is called. I can't think what it's called right now. So we went back there the other day and uh, I, I cut a lot of the little small trees. Just trying to, not trying to clear anything, but just trying to really kind of maintain it a little bit better. And it really helps to have the pigs going there prior to you going in there. It just, you wouldn't believe the amount of difference it makes. So... With the pigs, we've got a very good jump on that, I guess. If it were another breed, we could have easily had a uh, butchering already, probably November. So, I will keep everyone updated on that progress. Now, on to the second thing we did back earlier in the spring there were we were down to we always had we had eight ducks and they were laying we were getting about eight eggs a day or a dozen i can't remember what it was we had four ducks i mean four chickens eight ducks we're getting about a dozen eggs a day my wife sold a few of those at the at her work but after a while they they started to molt the ducks started molting so they stopped laying and then we had some fox issues and we got sort of diminished in the fowl arena so we were down to we're down now to six ducks didn't get any more ducks, but we did get a lot more chickens. I was down to like one chicken, maybe, I think. And back in August or July, we went and over to Hat, uh, Cackle Hatchery and bought. Must have been a straight run of whatever they had that day. It was uh, mostly dark Wyandots and, or, and Copper Morans. And so now we found out we've got three roosters. <laughs> so we thought we had all hens, but now we have three roosters. But we've got about nine, uh, or I don't know if we have nine total. And so, yeah, I think six hens and three roosters. And those hens are, are almost ready to lay. I mean, they should be laying any day now. So we've got one laying hen that we got earlier, probably in late spring out of four. She survived. So she's been laying for a while. She's a good layer. She's a... Oh, a Rhode Island Red, maybe. Something, something close to that. She's buff. I don't know what she is. But anyway, she's a good layer. And now we've, and we also have two guineas. And so we've have two ducks laying. We don't know which two. So we're, we do get eggs, but it's good to have a flock of chickens again. And I'm, I like to eat eggs and I like 
having uh, free range chickens and these chickens really are free range I mean they have feed some that I mix up but they don't eat that much feed they rather be out foraging for bugs and whatnot and we they've got they've got a pretty good area they can forage they've got a, an area that's like the the poultry pen which is probably i don't know it's about at least 40 by 40 or something like that it's pretty good size and then they can go around and, and kind of get into this area where there's there's usually poke bushes and stuff like that so it's it's weedy so it, it it's there's a lot of coverage from predators but there's also a lot of uh stuff they can forage over there and sometimes they'll they like to stay among the uh you know whether it's old aster bushes or something they can get in there and you won't even know know that they're in there and the area inside our back which is basically our backyard is three quarters of an acre and they can go pretty much wherever they want to go the ducks know how to go underneath the fence and i think they do that at their own peril but i can't stop them from doing that anymore but i haven't lost anything lately and they seem to kind of stay between the fence and the barn and not going where they used to go, which was further out into the pasture, which was the danger zone. That was the red zone. Now they're kind of staying in the yellow zone and the green zone. But the new chickens, they stay completely in the green zone. So we've got a strong flock of chickens right now. I'm going to have to call two of the roosters, trying to figure out who's going to be the one. So what's next? The food forest. Let's talk about the food forest. That's about two or three acres. That's the front western pasture. And all these pastures are fenced. I picked that pasture for swales because that's the only pasture that has really any slope to it at all. So it just made sense to put it there may have been my best fence pasture to tell you the truth but i didn't really have anything you know if i would put maybe sheep there one of these days that's kind of my goal but i did let the pigs run out there a little while and they started tearing everything up so i had to move them off of that but that that fescue recovered real quickly and it seems to have benefited from some pig disturbance i let the pigs on about two sets of swells and they really did a number on the lowest one i'm not exactly sure why i did have hay down in there so there may have been a lot more uh stuff for them to eat in that particular swell just due to the fact that there was a there had been hay in there decaying for a while down in the bottom of that swell but anyway they one of the other things that they did and i thought was uh interesting was and i'm not completely sure of the fact or not but i when the water was real low we had a terrible drought well 
we had a drought this summer and I'm, I'm not sure how terrible it was because i've never been through a drought here but in my estimation it was pretty bad it was at least two months without any rain and when we did get any rain it was very little and everything was dried up and the pond there's a little pond out in that pasture it's a little small pond and you could probably underhand throw a tennis ball you know across it so i don't know 20 feet by 30 feet i'm not sure it's kind of a shape like an oval so anyway i let the pigs in that area and they spent a lot of time in that pond and it was pretty grown up with some kind of uh some kind of grass i don't know what it was but they they got in there and turned that stuff over not to mention the fact that it even though it was dry it was it's it was muddy in that area obviously it was a pond and they played in there and they liked it and i think them being in there kind of that pond wasn't not holding water and i would see that's kind of see a wet spot on the uh on the back side of the dam kind of like maybe that pond was that pond wasn't holding water that great but after the pigs went through there for a little while a few weeks when it did rain i noticed that pond has been holding water really well it could just be my imagination but I think the pigs made an impact on that pond and helped it out, maybe sealed it up with their uh, pooping in there. And where they did get and turn over the fescue in a lot of areas, and which was kind of distressing to me, I, I thought that was an issue. It it really seemed to come back even more vigorously than i expected after it started to rain so i guess the jury's kind of still out on that and then i had half of that area fenced off so that that they could not get into the other set of swells the three top swells and like i said we had terrible drought we didn't really hold that much water but i i mean it held water the swells held water up until the point where it just stopped raining altogether but those berms and below the swells did seem to benefit quite a lot from just the presence of the water that had been there through last season and i have some trees i have some chestnut trees downhill from the bottom swell there's about, I don't know, 80, 100 feet between the last well and the fence line going toward the north, which is downhill. And that's where I put about, I don't know, I, it was 100 trees, but I, they didn't all fit there. So I'd say 60, 70 trees. And I sort of put those on radial spokes matching the... Um, in other words, I found the contour of, of that area and, and 
fit those trees on on contour so it's, they're kind of semicircular shaped those trees did not like the drought and i didn't lose them all but i did lose a lot actually there was only one tree out of that whole bunch that made it through last winter that didn't die i'm not go dormant but died all the way back to to the root most of them came back but you know i had two-year-old trees that were knee high and now i'm back down to ground level trees but i had one tree a chestnut that made it through last winter and didn't die all the way back and it came back very strong and it it really it grew and it looked good so what one percent <laughs> i had one percent success rate I, i've got probably i don't know 40 50 percent of those trees they're they're living but it's almost like i could have planted i'd be better off with having planted um those from seed almost so the trees in the berms that did do well were the false indigo trees those I pick as a support species. They're a leguminous tree. Um, they fix nitrogen and those will be for chop and drop. I actually played around with a couple chopping and drop doing some uh, coppice. So I, I coppiced one or sort of pollard one of them and coppiced another one. The one I pollarded it came back really good and the other one that I sort of uh, just lopped off it did come back but that was a, a little weaker than than the pollard one so it looks like a pretty good tree to to do that kind of thing with and I'll probably do more of those like that but it looks like I had about a hundred percent success rate on those. They're native, um, and they've they've done well. I I think I've got one out there that was maybe three four feet tall. It was big when I got it. it was, some of them were kind of big, and then some of them were kind of small. Like they were completely two different um, age groups. But anyway, they all survived, and they're doing well. And mixed in with those, I've had some apple trees that, like I said, with the drought, the apples, some of those apples look like they may have been goners. There were a few that, they, none of them really looked that great. I will say this, the thing that has done the best out here and it's not over in the food forest but peaches my peach trees have done really good those are in another area but i also have some peaches that were planted before we got here in the front yard i think they had kind of been neglected a little bit so i'd kind of been pruning those Throwing some Romeo wood down at the base of them and kind of looking after them a little bit better. And those trees 
are looking good too. So peaches are are really seem to be right now the best thing I've got going. I do have some apples in another area that have these are blight resistant apple trees because the fire blights is just here. And those trees they've really done good. Um they've really probably almost tripled in height put on a good bit of circumference now i didn't get any uh peaches this past year because we had a real late frost and like i said those were young trees anyway so i'm not sure what they would have done the trees out in the front like i said that had uh been kind of neglected they made it they set a a couple of fruit but they had some kind of an issue i don't know if if it was a uh, uh not not exactly sure but those fruits mummified so there's a problem out there i've got some stuff to spray on them not not chemicals but probably copper sulfate i think i'm going to give that a try so I also put in a few, actually two, Asian pears when I put in the peach trees. That was the, f I put those in in 2016. That fall, we got here in 2016, and that fall I put in four trees right along a little path in the backyard. And those, two of those were peaches, and two of those were Asian pears. The Asian pears, one of the Asian pears, I don't remember which one, the name but it we probably got 10 pairs off of it and they were pretty good and i never had an asian pear tree before so i didn't quite know when to harvest and what to expect with those but those the ones we got off there they weren't huge but they were pretty good i used i used every one of them that I got off of there in either uh I think I did I did some kind of a chutney but I ate one or two and and they were good so that's that's hopeful and I've got some plum trees that I had put out before along with the apple trees and one or two of the plum trees are looking pretty good Now this fall I bought a couple of cherry trees just to see how that would go. I, I like cherry trees. I like cherries too. I tried some cherries in uh, Atlanta but I don't think it got cold enough there. So I was thinking maybe since it's colder here I might have some luck. So I got some decent sized cherry trees from Bob Wells Nursery out of Texas. And I had real good luck with his trees. He had he sent me the uh, pear trees and the peach trees that I was talking about, which have done really well. And when I got these trees, they were, I don't know, two feet tall. And now those pear trees are... I was, I was there with a pair of loppers over my head, so trying to 
cut the tallest limbs out of them. So I don't know. They're eight, ten, at least ten feet tall, maybe. Just goes to show you how good those were doing, just in a season and a half. And so that's why I got the cherry trees from him. And so I put in some cherry trees. I put in a couple of uh, Asian persimmons, some named Asian persimmon varieties. We have American persimmon all around the properties, but really on the fence line. Actually, it's only on the fence line because that's the only place they let any trees grow. Before we got here, it's just on the fence line. Everything else is mowed pasture, except for the woods. And, you know, the persimmons are not going to thrive in, in underneath oak trees. So, along the fence line, we've got some decent-sized persimmons. And I've noticed that anytime there's... Persimmons really do well. I put in some seeds in the uh, pasture, the big pasture, which I intended to I intend to make uh, tree rows through there just to do a, a silvo pasture setup. And those persimmon seeds did come up, and, and those were just wild persimmons. So what I'd like to do is use the persimmon seeds to make seedlings. And then get those in the ground and use those as rootstock. And then take some of the cuttings from off of the named Asian persimmon trees that I bought. And graft those onto the rootstock from the native trees from here on the property. So that's my goal with the persimmons. And I'm looking forward to trying that out. And if that works, I'd kind of like to do the same thing with, say, peaches or or maybe even just buy rootstock and, and put the rootstock out into the berms and just get some trees going like that and then come back later on and graft onto those just going by which of the peaches seem to do the best. I think this year, unless I get another late frost, which maybe I can mitigate, but maybe if I'm lucky, I'll get some peaches this season and I'll know which ones are going to do the best. And I may need to get some more varieties that have a little bit later um, blooming. So I'll probably do that and it'll save me a lot of money because... When you get the nice trees from the nursery, they are not cheap. And, you know, we're talking anywhere from 30 bucks a tree. So, if I could use those as grafting stock on just root, regular root stock, I think that's going to be a much more economical way to go out there in the food forest. I think some soil is being created out there. Mostly right now it's uh, in the berms. We get a lot of just wild flowers. Uh, there's, uh, we got aster, queen anne's lace. Uh, what was the earliest one? There was uh, echinacea. 
and some other stuff. I'm not completely sure, but I don't worry about that because all of that's bringing in pollinators. And I've got right now three beehives, and those bees need somewhere to feed. So it works out good for the bees, and I don't mind that stuff being out there. To me, it's not a competition with the trees. And I'm just kind of letting that evolve however it evolves. I I will go out there and chop and drop some of that stuff, but I've found that a lot of, a lot of the birds will use that, especially the uh, quail, the bob white, which I like seeing. So that's kind of the reason I've been hesitant to go out there and do any chop and drop because it just provides really good shelter for for quail and other stuff we had pretty good success this year with the garden at least for me because i've never been a great gardener simply because where i've lived has always been shady and i'm one of those tree huggers so i'm never going to cut down a tree so i can have higher power bills you know the way they do things in atlanta so I've always had to guard kind of on the fringes of wherever I was at, which didn't leave me very much um, light, let's just say. So once we got here and we had full sun back there, it was amazing to see what things like broccoli and cabbage and all that stuff would really do in 8, 10, 12 hours of light with really good soil. So we, we upped our gardening game. Uh, I'd say in 2017, we started out using starts from a local nursery, and that worked out well for us. We had these large uh, planters that we used that used to be, when the prior resident was here, he, he had these troughs, and he was raising tilapia in them, and there used to be a big hoop house in our backyard, but they wanted to sell it to us, but... We didn't buy it, and they took it down, but they basically just left the troughs there. And so we filled those up with dirt, soil, and we gardened out of those uh, to, to great success. But over time, those uh, troughs, they were made out of wood, and they started to rapidly decay as soon as we put uh, dirt in them, and they were outside in the rain unprotected from the hoop house so we knew that was going to be one of the things that wasn't going to last very long so i just tore the i got all the soil out in the fall and i tore the last one apart and so now that area is completely devoid of any huge tilapia troughs now and before that we had some limited success uh, doing uh, just rows in the ground with uh, I did I brought in some soil and I created some rows with some drip tape and I did the cover you know the black cover put holes in it every so often and I we put in leeks peppers uh onions 
some other things. Had limited success on that. And I, I don't fault what we did as the reason we didn't have much success. That soil in that area was just really poor. And I only had, I don't know, a few, two, three inches worth of uh, compost that I'd brought in. And I'm not sure the quality of that compost. It turned out not to be very great. But that bed, those beds are still there. And we will reuse those beds. I kind of got a sense of what can uh, grow well in that poor soil. We had pretty good success with stuff like uh, oh, the Asian greens, the um, bok choy, that kind of stuff. We did good with that. The lettuce we put in in the fall did pretty good. But I'd actually just taken some beds and threw in seeds just right on top with mustard and everything else and I didn't try to make it you know each little hole in the tarp be one place because I'll be honest with you unless you're able to weed that on a daily basis I get a lot more edge each one of those holes I get a lot more weed competition right there than I do in just an area that isn't covered. And it's just simply due to what I've got out here. Because you've got wild carrot, you've got a lot of dock, you've got, sometimes you get these crazy grass seeds too. And everything just wants to take up residence right around that circle, especially with the drip tape. And, you know, I saw the guy who does our CSA, and that's how they garden where he's at and he's got uh, he's got hundreds of families that takes part in that csa that's exactly how they do it but they've got an army of volunteers that they can call on to do the weeding that's kind of part of the csa once you join you have a certain price and that price includes you coming out for a day and and working which is a real, real cool thing because you you meet like-minded people, and, and I, I think that's really cool. If you don't want to go out there and pull weeds or help around the farm, you have to pay an extra hundred bucks. So, this last year I went and we installed his um, solar hot water system on his house for him, and then this year my wife did the uh, the farm chores so anyway i wanted to adopt the, his method because it had i'd seen it work so well but without having so many people out there to pull weeds for me i got way behind and so that technique i wasn't very happy with and another and that like i said i only did two beds they're probably whatever they are wide 30 inches wide by um I'd say 50 feet, and I had two of those. I tried to grow some corn. I didn't have any success with that. That didn't do well. Uh, there was a, peppers did well. Had some Anaheim peppers, um, some stuff like that. Those kinds of peppers. We had we had some uh, 
It's Cardoon. It's a artichoke family member. And those did really well. Of course, we didn't know what the hell to do with Cardoons. It's one of the most bitter vegetables you can ever imagine. <laughs> so we had lots of Cardoons that we didn't really eat. But on the other side of that area, I had, we, last year we put about eight inches of hay from a round bale out there. We just rolled a whole round bale out. And I don't know, it was six, eight inches of hay. And over the course of the uh, winter, we let that, we left that in place and that killed the grass over there. And we planted into that area with a lot of melons. So we had watermelon, cantaloupe, honeydew melon, and a few other little odd, weird things that we got from Baker Creek. Just really didn't get any of the standard honeydew melons or cantaloupes that you'd see in the grocery store. We tried to go with these, uh, you know, these old-timey melons from from the past they say they they just they taste better they grow better they're not made for shelf life so we threw a lot of that stuff in the ground and to our surprise that stuff just went crazy and we had watermelons and cantaloupes coming out of our ears and so with very little preparation our melon patch just was gangbusters where our heavily prepared labor intensive beds with the drip tape and the sheet mat uh weed mat did not net very good results so go figure and i also did some beans on a trellis with a like a cattle panel trellis had limited success on that, and once again, I, I think it was down to the soil in that area, and I was getting a lot of that uh, that morning that bindweed, and that stuff is all over the place out there. It even came up in our greenhouse really bad, and in the greenhouse in the f spring, we put in uh, we put in cucumbers and. For a long time, I didn't think... We had cucumber vines growing. It looked like a jungle in there. But for the longest time, I was just thinking, well, we've got cucumbers, cu cucumber plant, but we don't have any fruit. But one day, we went out there, and there were cucumbers all over the place. What... I believe was the issue in the beginning was we were getting flowers on our cucumbers but it was too hot in there and at some point during the not very long after it started getting the climate heated up in April or May whenever it was when it started getting hot outside I bought a black shade cloth like a 60% black and I threw that over the uh, the hoop house, and that helped. And then also I I cut a hole in the western side of it and put a fan in there. 
So after I did that and started leaving the door, because I had a screen door on it too, after that we started getting fruit because it was I was just too hot in there and it was killing the blooms, I, I think was the issue. But yeah, we really did get a whole ton of cucumbers, but it seemed like they turned off like a light switch because one day went out there and no more cucumbers and the vines just died. So I guess we could have been planting new cucumber vines along and along and done a little bit better. Because I missed having the cucumbers because I make pickles out of those. And I like those a lot, especially in the summer. We had real good, I had a tomato area that I put in the year before. And I used a, a, some good compost and I had also put... Uh, hay on top of that all winter long so that area really did good when it came to the tomatoes and we got lots of tomatoes this year i didn't try to go with a ton of tomatoes this season i just went with a f two three varieties instead of last the year before i had i don't know i probably had 20 varieties and this season we kind of narrowed it down to three four varieties but it seems like you never get enough. For me, it seems like I never get enough tomatoes because I would have wanted to put up tomatoes and we just didn't have enough to put up. And this next season, I'm going to extend the um, the trellis probably about 50 feet and try to just have the whole 50 feet in tomatoes see how that goes one of the other things i'm going to do instead of trying to do those beds with the drip tape with the weed barrier i'm probably going to pull that up the weed barrier and just plant into that with something but i'm also i saved the lumber from the area where the fish tanks were at and I'm going to use that lumber plus additional lumber. And I'm going to create raised beds out in the uh, area of the garden instead of trying going to the ground. I, th I think the soil's just a little, not a little bit, but it, the soil's too alkaline. It's too rocky and it's just not great soil. And so I'm going to build raised beds out there because I've seen some of the people I follow on Instagram who are doing raised beds in this area and it's doing really good and we had great success with our big long raised bed so I think that's the way to go I wanted to try it in the ground just to see how it would go and I think I think that experiments uh, spoken and not gonna go back with that method not not now not out there well, if you've made it this far in the podcast, I look up at the screen right now and it says 47 minutes, and God bless you, because I know that rambling was probably dull. So, I was going to talk about some of the goals we had maybe for next year, but I think since I'm already almost at an hour, I'm just going to go ahead and end this one right now. And then maybe do uh, a look ahead 
for 2019 pretty soon and just make that a completely different podcast. So for now, thanks for listening and y'all be good. Thank you.